to the first episode of Theatre Club, a podcast about London theatre in all its forms. I'm Alice, and between me, my brother Oscar, my friends Ruby and Madeline, we see a lot of shows, so we've decided to start getting together to talk about it on a regular basis, a bit like a book club. Hi, I'm Oscar, and um, yeah, we're going to talk about all the shows we've been to see um, together, or not together, we'll just get together, discuss them, then we'll probably look forward to things that we are going to go see that we've already booked other things that we want to kind of get booked up um, and then we'll talk about you know where we're booking our tickets kind of what seats to sit in you know any kind of insider info tips tips that we might have exactly all the tips uh, hi I'm Madeline so the plan is that we reckon we're going to record one of these about every fortnight plus maybe some bonus editions when we've seen something totally hot like this week mm-hmm. and I'm Ruby and there's something else that we all really love which is cocktails so each episode, we're going to try and come up with a themed cocktail to go with it, uh, based on a show either that we've seen or we're going to see. Um, and you'll be able to see these cocktails uh, along with the recipe of how to make them on our Instagram account, which is at Theatre Club Podcast, all one word, all lowercase. So Oscar, what are we drinking tonight? Well, tonight the cocktail is in celebration of Hamilton. Woo-hoo! We saw last night, so it's my Hamilton-themed cocktail. So right, let's pass these around. Oh, so Oscar, what's in this? Okay, so this is a cocktail called... I was kind of looking at what cocktails to do. There is official Hamilton cocktails that sell at the theatre, but they're a bit boring. <laughs> so this one, I've done some research, this is called a Killer Bee, and Ooh. it's the kind of national cocktail of Nevis, which is... The Caribbean island where Alexander Hamilton was born. Ah, so that's why I went for this. Also, it's, it's got pepper in it, and I just thought I wanted to make a cocktail with pepper in. Yeah. So it's uh, light and dark rum, um, orange juice, fresh orange juice, mm-hmm. passion fruit juice, pepper, lime, and then some nutmeg on the top. Don't forget the nutmeg. Don't forget the nutmeg. Exactly. So this is, yeah, the National Cocktail of Nevis. So here's to Alexander Hamilton. To Alexander Alexander Hamilton! (laughs) (laughs) It's nice, isn't it? It's so drinkable, I'm scared. It's lovely. So, let's talk about Hamilton. So I was, I I want to start this discussion off with the fact that I was clearing out my WhatsApp groups the other day. And I found one created by you, Oscar, in July 2016, entitled Hamilton. Okay. So our our journey to going to see this this show started 18 months ago. <laughs> and I think we bought the tickets over a year ago. Am I yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, they, annou- they did the first announcement in July 2016 saying that the tickets were going to go on sale that November. They didn't end up going on sale till the January of 2017. So, yeah, it's been a long time. And what makes this show so special? So the history of the show is fairly long. I think Lin-Manuel Miranda, who um, did In the Heights, that we all all went to see In the Heights, didn't we? Yep. I didn't see it. Did you not see In the Heights? No. Oh, and that was in London at um, King's Cross. I remember you going to it, but for some reason I didn't come. I don't know why. Well, so when he was doing that originally on Broadway, he um, read the uh, the biography, not autobiography, the biography of... Alexander Hamilton and was inspired to you know do a show about him because he's kind of a forgotten he's one of the founding fathers but kind of one of the lesser known founding fathers and I think what is known about him is kind of maybe not necessarily telling the whole story so he read this biography decided to do a show and then in sort of 2009 he was invited to the White House and he sang the opening Alexander Hamilton number Mm -hmm. for Barack Obama 
which is just depressing to watch when you look at what the White House was in 2009, having kind of cool <laughs> Broadway people coming, <laughs> performing new works, hip hop musicals, and now it's just like, oh, how times have changed. So that's with Ivanka and Melania. Oh, God. Thank cool. So that was 2009, then it went workshop 2013, I think, and then hit Broadway, off Broadway. 2015 Mm -hmm. and then later that year got a transfer to Broadway and then basically just exploded so I think it's just because of the kind of newness of using like a sung through hip-hop full sung through hip-hop score to tell a story about the founding fathers of America using a totally multi-ethnic cast. So Alice, Madeline, Mm. what do we make of it? Madeline. So I think for me this musical is incredibly important because it kind of brings together my two favourite things, which is musicals and hip-hop. Um, I'm a huge fan of hip-hop and rap. And when I first heard about this, I must admit I was quite sceptical and I kind of thought, oh, God, is it going to be a bit cringe? Is it not going to really work? And I just thought it was absolutely incredible how they weaved in elements of hip-hop and rap. I think that part of what I loved about it was how collegiate it felt in the audience. It's obviously there's a lot of people there made up of, you know, there was young, old, different ethnicities, quite a melting pot of culture, kind of like London itself represented in the theatre. And so many people kind of singing along. It's like people had learnt this, these raps before they'd gone in. Um, some of the nods to important figures, lots of nods to Notorious B.I.G., who's my favourite rapper, them saying, if you don't know, now you know, and the nodding sort of winks in the audience because everyone, you do know what they're talking about and you do get it. And it was so unbelievably clever. I think that that's what I... It felt such a sense of camaraderie in the theatre. So collegiate, so young people in the theatre who love hip-hop who wouldn't necessarily go to something in the West End and I think that was it it felt so accessible Mm, I think the rap battles that they did were such a clever way of getting that all the detail and history of what could have been actually really quite boring like stuff Mm. and they did that in a really clever way of doing the rap battles of getting all those facts and figures across oh yeah that's so good I think it's the way they should teach politics from now on in schools is through rap battles but I also felt that the rap gave them a way of bringing a lot of humour into it. Yeah. So lots of, because it's a sung through musical, so you don't have dialogue, there were lots of bits where rap was used to sort of make asides or make little jokes during the song, so it didn't feel kind of saccharine ever. Because the only way it's been done before is sung through is mostly in the operatic style of that yeah. recitative, lame kind of, and I find that a bit annoying. It doesn't mm-hmm. rhyme, it's just talking over music and... I don't know, I find that a bit, oh, a bit yeah. cheesy. And Whereas this, to use rap was so clever because they just kind of spoke, but the rhyme, the like the rhymes and the words he used were so, so clever. Like the bars, they were just full of detail. Um, and obviously in rap, it is a game of kind of one-upmanship often. And there were so many kind of clapbacks throughout it. It was just the, the one that I liked, it was the cabinet battle number two. And they're all there in Jefferson. And it was just, it was electric feeling that whole part of it mm. I really felt and I also want to talk about the standout performance for me 
by she has such an amazing name Raquel and Go <laughs> that's her name Raquel and Go and who is she playing she was playing Eliza Hamilton and oh her voice it sends shivers down your spine it is so clear and it's but, but powerful at the same time and it's just beautiful and she played um, she was in Miss Saigon she was cast mm-hmm. for that she was sort of an unknown before that came from the Philippines and she's just she's beautiful to look at beautiful to listen to and her and the two sisters their whole relationship and their harmonies were perfection they were I mean I can't think of a Duff singing performance in the whole thing I mean no, no, it sounded like a soundtrack recording. Yes. Oh, yeah, like, You could have recorded that night and they could put that out as the London cast recording. Yeah. It was yeah. spot on. Can I, I just need to talk about the... I don't think... I think I stopped crying by the time I got home last night, but there's a song in it that, that it's Quiet Uptown, which I think is one of the most heartbreaking performances I've ever seen. And We've decided we're not spoiling anything for anyone. I won't explain why it's quite heartbreaking, but it's Hamilton's or confronting his own mortality. But the song It's Quite Uptown is was a standout moment for me last night. It was totally chilling as a kind of hip hop song in a way, but just the way that the cast came together, it's kind of an ensemble piece. It was just that I think has been the most emotive thing I've ever seen in a theatre. I would is that is Yeah, that fair? definitely. I couldn't get yeah. over how sad that was. I mean, I think we all... As I was thinking, when we when we walked out last night, we were all kind of a bit stunned in a way. Mm. It's it's epic and there's so much to take in and you just, mm. you know, you feel... Yeah, it's really emotional, I think, to watch it. You feel the emotions of all the characters and I thought especially the female characters because in the kind of history telling of it, you mostly look at the men, you look at Thomas Jefferson, you look at all the important men that were around and... Hamilton's wife, for example, wouldn't necessarily in the history books, there's not a lot written about her and some of the major events of their of their life. Whereas I thought the musical did a really good job of going into both Eliza and Angelica's kind of emotions mm-hmm. and it just made it really like compelling. It made you kind of see why the characters were doing things. You know, sometimes you just like the wife character mm. often doesn't you don't really she doesn't get a proper arc or like any real reason for doing anything. Whereas in this, you kind of understood from from all of us perspectives exactly why they did what they did. Yeah. And it made it so much more powerful, especially the bit at the end, the quiet uptown, because of how much character work they'd done on yeah. Angelica and Eliza. Which and I think th- is especially true of musicals often, I think. Female characters in musicals can often be quite two-dimensional. Yeah, yeah if you think about Rodgers and Hammerstein, they just yeah. sort of sing songs of love and devotion. Even if he beats me, I love him anyway. Whereas in this, you've got... <laughs> You've got so many levels. One of my favourite ever moments. You know, and rather than having sort of Angelica as just the sister that, you know, was also loved him, but didn't, you really kind of understood why she did what she did, how she felt, why she felt, rather than just being, oh, you know, maybe the sister that wanted him but didn't get him. Yeah. They really added a lot of dimension to the female characters, and I think that's... Yeah, because as well as um, Eliza, uh, her sister Angelica is also a fantastic performance, I think. Oh, but her voice Um, is incredible. She held her. I mean, she's she... been in Sister Act. She's been in some massive shows. Been? Yeah, Rachel John is her name, and she was amazing. I she's yeah. I think she was maybe my favourite. Let's talk a little bit. We talked about the women, but let's talk about the men for a little bit and about the casting of that because we saw the alternate Hamilton last night, didn't we, Oscar? Yeah, we did. I actually didn't know that going in and watching. It, I did think, oh, he doesn't look like the guy because I'd seen a picture of the, the you know the main Hamilton they cast, but. 
I kind of didn't it didn't really even clock I didn't give it a second thought because he was fantastic obviously um, I think a lot of people you'd often go to something and think oh if you don't get the main cast it's not going to be good but in the West End there's like they don't sort of get a third rate actor to come mm. in and replace they get someone just as good yeah mm. um, and he's done quite a few performances now I think since since December he was brilliant I thought he was he brilliant was, he was really good I don't feel like we kind of missed out on anything we do him. all want to go and see the other Hamilton they don't oh yeah it gives us an excuse to go again now <laughs> yeah. so we can see him and um, the car- uh, Lawrence and then later his son Philip was also played by an alternate and yeah. it was his first first time doing it which was a shock I couldn't believe it what was it what age is the guy 23. 23. It was his birthday. It was his birthday. Yeah. He was terrific. That was another thing. They all seemed so relaxed. Like this felt like it had been on for a year. They didn't, it didn't feel like they were, there was any sort of nerves or sweat. It felt, it felt like hip hop. It felt flowing. It Mm -hmm. felt really organic. The whole thing. It didn't ever feel you kind of thought oh god you know there's someone's slipped up in the background or whatever that's no thing that I liked in terms of the, the sort of goes back to what you were saying Oscar about the women in it but I really like the way with the chorus and the ensemble cast they used the women in the battle scenes as well so mm. it was all very mixed there was no kind of and it was a very diverse cast as well worth yeah. saying but um but yeah I really liked the way that the women were there held, holding their guns as well yeah, and, yeah. I think that's the key to the whole show's success <clears throat> is the inclusivity yeah. of like the colorblind casting you know multi-ethnic cast and that the women you know everyone can see the show and it just feels very inclusive yeah and what was the bit where everyone did the big cheer oh the line where it says immigrants we get the job done yes. you know everyone cheered and now that's uh, I think that's like a campaign now it's like a charity like hashtag immigrants to get the job done or something to raise money for you know struggling immigrants whatever so it had that real sort of like feel and everyone like applauded and because it could be very very male yeah Um, a musical about a hip-hop musical (laughs) about founding fathers it could be yeah we're talking about the 18th century war and politics a lot of the time you know which which can be quite off-putting to a lot of people so i think it's i think that as you say is a huge part of its success um, there's one other thing that I think we should talk about, um, which is, and we had this debate a bit before we went, but about whether to listen to the soundtrack or not uh, before going. Alice, what's your take on this? Well, when I... I remember when I was going to see Book of Mormon, Oscar, you said to me, listen to the soundtrack before you go, and I was so glad that I did, because when something is that fast and intricate in its language, it really helps to have your ear in already. And so I was really glad that I had listened to it. I listened to the whole soundtrack um, a couple of days before, and I was really glad that I had. So I would say yeah. I'd recommend people do listen just to it. Just once through, you listen? Just listen to the whole thing all the way once through, just so that I could... Rec- when things came up, I thought, oh, I loved that song when I heard it before. I, I just, And it also helped me to... Un- I also Wikipedia'd it. Madeline, you told me to do that. Yeah, I think that obviously, like, kids are taught this... Um, sorry, American children are taught this in school. They know this story well. We don't. We, you know, I certainly didn't learn much about sort of 18th century American politics at school and so I I, I decided to I generally by, I have a real real firm belief in no spoilers prior to going to theatre all I'll often do is just maybe read the little blurb on the back of the leaflet advertising it I, re, I don't like to read reviews I don't like to do anything but this partly because we knew it was we'd waited such a long time to see it it's like I didn't want to miss anything so again yes the Wikipedia page I thought it was really good it breaks it down act one act two and gives you a synopsis of what's going on 
Um, again, it's how it interweaves with British politics. You know, you're kind of thinking, why is France involved? It's it's kind of, I think, important maybe to know a little bit about that. I think it definitely helped with my enjoyment of the show. I'd listened to the full soundtrack probably twice prior to it. Oscar, you're different. Tell us, how what long did you listen to it for? I haven't listened to it many times because... I didn't want to like overdo it and be too familiar, but I listened to it kind of a few months back and I held off for a long time because the soundtrack was released in 2006, 15, 16, like a long time ago. And I remember thinking, do I listen to it now? Because it's not coming to London for three years at that point. So I was thinking, oh, should I just listen to it? And I kind of put it off and put it off. But then when it was kind of getting closer, I actually thought, no, I want to hear it. And because it's all sung through, listening to the soundtrack is like a kind of... um, What's the word I'm looking for? Concept album. Concept album. Yeah. Exactly. It's like listening to a concept album. You get the whole story. You get the whole thing. And I feel like I've got two things out of this now. I've got the enjoyment of the concept album. Got the enjoyment of hearing the stories at just an audio experience. And then got to go see it and see how all that was put into, mm. into You've action. You've Hamilton for all it's worth. No, but I didn't listen to it a lot of times. Because I felt like if I'd listened over and over again, which I could have easily done, then... I wanted a little bit of um, excitement, you know, a little bit of not knowing it too well. A lot of people in there, I felt, had listened to it and knew all the songs. Oh, God, there were some people behind us. And I thought, I'm really glad we're all enjoying it. I like the atmosphere, but sometimes I thought, I don't want to hear you mouthing the words, just your wet lips (laughs) smacking. No, it was the girl beside me that it was her tapping the whole thing out. It was either her tapping the whole thing out or her bloody Fitbit flashing all through it. Can I just say, (laughs) no no phones in theatres or Fitbits. I don't want to see your flashing watch out the corner of my eye throughout. I don't want to know what your heart rate is. Yeah, I don't want to know how many times you farted. (laughs) Um, Now, me being always a bit of a last minuter, and also actually having had this discussion with you and advising you all to listen to the soundtrack beforehand, <laughs> I then suddenly, on the day yesterday, was like, shit, I haven't listened to this at all. So I was cycling around with it on my headphones. I managed to get through Act 1 uh, just by the time I reached the theatre. Um, and I was really glad that I had listened to Act 1 because, like you say, I sort of had my ear in, there were some of the songs that I really liked and I had a bit of a sense of the characters and, you know, the style and what I was going to see. But then equally, I actually was quite glad that when it came to the interval and then going into the second act, I didn't know what was going to happen. And so I had that element of surprise of sort of having gone in with a bit of an idea and sitting through the first act and really enjoying the songs and then sort of thinking, now I'm really excited to see what happens next. So... You know, it could be done always. Um, if I'd had the time, I probably would have listened to the whole thing. But actually, the way I did it, I would also recommend. You can still listen to it now. I can. It. I listened to it today. I've got it on my yeah. Spotify account I now. To it so. as well. It's great. I think as well. We were talking about it. Does it work? Because it's such an embedded score. Does it work with standalone songs? Certainly for me, I wanted to listen to it's quite uptown by my like quite a few times today. I've listened to it and cried a little bit but I think that there isn't many songs in it that would be standalone songs do you agree no no I don't I know that I do there's quite a few that I listen to just by themselves I kind of skip through to some never ones. satisfied I reckon could be on its own oh that's a good one what do you yeah. like Al you like the helpless oh god <laughs> looking through your eyes and the limit that was good I quite like the, oh I um, love that helpless yeah. song the one I really like is say no to this which yeah. is a kind of sexy, slow jam 
real R&B and I quite like listening to that just by itself do you know what I wanted to double check with you guys when King George comes on and he does his song that's got the da 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 I started singing along with him were you guys yes no right thank you didn't because when he said everybody he goes everybody yeah. does he mean the audience well that's yes. what he did so I did oh, and I isn't because that's one of the most famous that's sort of one of the ones yeah. that's the most famous well, I didn't know whether songs. we were supposed when I was to listening not. to the when I was listening to the soundtrack yesterday that one I felt like I recognised it already yeah when, when he said everybody the ensemble came on so I was not sure if that was a, a reference within the show to everybody is in yeah, the ensemble came on as he said that. Like, everybody, they all entered yeah. like he was forcing them to I sing. Didn't. But I didn't know whether we were supposed to be. So I, I don't need an invitation to sing. That's true, <laughs> sweetie. So, people keep on asking me, how can I get a ticket? How did you guys get tickets? And, obviously, it was too late now for anyone to get tickets that didn't sign up to the priority booking. But you were saying that they're doing a lottery. Yeah. So, I was looking on the website today, and they've got a lottery scheme. £10 tickets... The lottery opens um, at four o'clock every day and then it's open until I think it's two o'clock in the afternoon the following day. And then it's after that that they inform the people that have won and then they're able to buy tickets for the following day's performance. Ooh. That's all a bit complicated. How much are they? Look at it on the website. They're £10. Um, and That's I also I got in touch with the theatre today um, just to ask them how many tickets they're selling this way. And they told me that they have at least 26 tickets available for every performance that you get through the lottery, sometimes more. Um, And they said that whereabouts they are in the theatre varies, but they're mostly in the stalls, which is amazing. So basically, if you want to go and see it, I would say just be entering that lottery every day. That's a good amount of tickets to put on sale. And if you win, so if you win, you get the opportunity to buy two tickets as well. So you can go with, you know, your mum, your best friend, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whoever, and that would be a pretty amazing thing to do. So sign up to the lottery. I wonder how many people enter every day. I reckon it's a lot. I'm sure it's a lot, but I mean, it's just one of those things, isn't it? It's total luck. It doesn't, you know, it's just your name being drawn out of a hat. And you don't actually have to show up to the theatre, like with Book of Mormon. It's all on the Hamilton app. It's got its own dedicated app, so you just do it from home, I guess. On the app or on the website, Something else that's worth mentioning, Alice, is the security measures. Oh, it is like you're going to need a brolly. You're going to need something warm to wear. You're going to be queuing. You're going to need a stool sample. You're going to need your <laughs> mother's maiden name. Uh, no, all you really need is your original car that you paid with, a form of ID. And the email confirmation. The email confirmation, that's right. And everybody that's travelling in your party, you all have to go in together. You can't go in and get the tickets and then go for a drink. You all turn up and you all go in together. And they're ve- it's, it's intense. Yeah. Please get there early. Get in the queue. It's like going into Glastonbury, if you've ever done Glastonbury. Yeah, it was. There's sniffer dogs. It's quite interesting that this is the first um, theater, the first show that is doing the paperless ticket strategy. And I think yes. that's amazing. So basically... Um, Cameron McIntosh, they wanted to stop touts and secondary ticket sales and people sort of playing hugely inflated prices. So so there are no paper tickets available. So you only get your ticket once you've turned up and done all of that security process. Because in America, it was getting out of control. People were selling tickets for thousands of dollars. It was becoming a status symbol. And I think now that it's come to England, they've thought, no. We're not having this. We'll have none of that. We'll have yes. none of that. Twelve thousand dollars, I think, is the most one went for on Jeez Broadway. Louise, it's crazy. So let's talk a bit about ticket pricing. 
you can actually buy tickets now as well, can't you? Yeah, booking opened on Monday the 29th of January for a sort of second wave, and this is for performances between the 30th of July and December the 15th. And um, when we'd a wee look today, there was still availability for dates later this year. Um, but they do operate quite a weird sort of pricing thing that we noticed. So when we initially got our tickets, Oscar, what, how much were they? £57.50, and they were in, we were in the Royal Circle, row H, um, towards the end of a row, that's why they were slightly mm. cheaper. Um, but those tickets are now £100. So I'm not sure why they've put them up, but the same seats are £100. Maybe they've realised that... Due even to demand. Though, due to demand, and also they probably thought their kind of end of the row maybe obscured, made mm. them a bit cheaper, but they were fantastic. They're fantastic seats, and I'd say if anybody is willing to spend £100, then those seats, anything from in the Royal Circle from G to A is well worth the money. Anything after G... Oh, no, H. 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 And I, I think maybe one row behind H would have been all right. I but think the, it would have been fine but the behind o- us. the overhang does start to affect your view. Not that anything happens at the top of stage you need to see. They're not flying, you know, up in the rafters. But if you don't like that feeling of seeing the overhang and being... feeling a little bit boxed in underneath the t- yeah. upper circle, then I wouldn't go much further, possibly. When we booked our tickets, I went on seatplan.com and it's a website where people review seats and often people take pictures from their seats so I always go on that before I book anything and just have a rough look at what the view is like from various seats and that's just a general good tip when you're booking something especially big shows just kind of know roughly where you're willing to sit where you're not look at the pictures people have uploaded mm-hmm. gives I always you a think sense Theatre Monkey the is really good like. for that as well Theatre yeah. Monkey doesn't do the pictures they give it they no. give an explanation which is good but I also like to but actually Theatre see Theatre Monkey had said that the leg room was awful and I thought the leg room was absolutely fine I think yeah. it got worse in the middle of the row because of the curve of the theatre at the end of the curve the, the row opens up a little bit and mm. in the middle if you looked round the curve in the middle of the circle where you're in a more premium seat I think the leg room is worse that's what oh, I've heard as well interesting also, you've got pretty short legs, as do I. That's true too. But it was fine. It, I thought it was fine as well. That's true. Yeah, I don't know for a big. But you're about five. Don't be four. taking in your big bags with you. That was what I'd say as well. There's not a great deal of like, oh, I'm just going to store my big rucksack. No, no. I think that's enough on Hamilton. Basically, go see it. Go see it. Sell a kidney. Go see it. <laughs> or enter the lottery if you don't want to sell a kidney. Enter yeah. the lottery. Oscar, how long do you think this will be on stage for? Years and years and years and years and years. I, really I mean, think? in America, it's on in New York. There's a Chicago production. There are two national tours, one currently running, another one about to start. It's going to uh, Puerto Rico, and Lin Manuel Miranda is going to reprise his role oh, in Puerto Rico. Let's go! Let's go to Puerto Rico! Yay! So, but that flights. is the one thing I would <laughs> love to see him do it. I, I would pay a thousand pounds to see him do it. I'd pay two thousand pounds. <laughs> you don't have two thousand. Well, nor do I. I've got two kidneys though. <laughs> so yeah, twenty nineteen Puerto Rico. Okay, just before we go on this episode, let's just do a little quick round up of some other shows that we've seen this year. Oscar, why don't you tell us about Barnum? Uh, you, me, and Alice went to see that at the Many a Chocolate Factory in Southwark. Beginning of January. Beginning of sometime. January. And that was their Christmas show, started in November, December, and it'll be running until the 3rd of March. Yeah. So it's still on. Um, it's a classic book musical by Cy Coleman, who did Sweet Charity, about P.T. Barnum, who kind of founded this, the modern idea of the circus, basically. 
the Hugh Jackman film that's out at the moment, World's Greatest Showman, is all about him. So this is a musical from 1980. Fun, really fun musical. Marcus Brigstock stars in it, the comedian, as P.T. Barnum, as well as a fantastic cast of uh, circus performers. I would say go see this show now before it transfers because seeing things at the Menier Chocolate Factory means it's very small, intimate theatre. So you get, even though the tickets are maybe a little bit more than you would spend, it's definitely worth it. It's absolutely worth it. Otherwise, when you see something when it transfers, you have to see it in a, like when Funny Girl transferred from there, you ended up seeing it in a bigger mm-hmm. theatre and it's it's more expensive and, and you're not did, as, the production yeah. I actually translate. don't think it is more expensive if you think about it because you're... You know, when we saw it, it's in the round, and there's only what probably ten rows from the front to the back. Less, fewer than yeah. that, and so therefore, and the tickets about forty pounds. But if you think about that, you know, if you were sitting that close to it in a West End theatre, yes, that's, that's true. true. That's so You'd true. You'd be paying a hundred pounds. I mm. also, I don't think this will transfer. I don't think... I think it will. Unless they find someone else to play Barnum. Yeah. Marcus Brigstock won't pull in the crowds. His performance wasn't strong enough. But the acrobatics, the theatre performers... The show performers, was great, though. It was incredible. The music's fantastic. I just don't think it'll transfer. Cameron McIntosh mm. couldn't get it into the West End a few years ago. He started in Chichester. Jackman and his film not going to help? I don't think so. It won't transfer. It's great. It's a really, really, really great show. But I think if you want to see it, Go see and see it, it now. The and there are tickets available. Yeah. Madeline, you missed it because you were in LA, so maybe. But the you circus performed me, Madeline, was incredible. Well, that's it. I think that's it. You win me. It's Marcus Brigstock for me is a bit like, wah, wah. but I think I, the acrobatics, I'm loving the sound of. If I could get it's a so ticket for 25 quid when I'm back feeling solvent again, I might. You can yeah. get a ticket for 25 quid, but you'll be sat behind a pillar. I would say it's worth. Scrabbling around and finding that extra fifteen pounds, okay, and uh, getting yourself in a decent seat. The music's great. It's kind of big, brassy. You know, a bit like Sweet Charity. That sort of. Follow the band. We loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. As long as it doesn't sound like that, I might go. And Oscar, you and I went. This is a very different kind of show. We went to see Belleville um, at the Donmar Warehouse last week. That was, it's finishing at the end of this week. Um, it's got James Norton and Imogen Poots in it, and they play um, a young married couple living in Paris. And without saying too much, basically, it all goes pretty badly wrong. It's dark, but I, I joke, but it was quite funny, actually. The script yes. had a kind of, they're this young couple, and she was kind of quirky, but not in an annoying way. Sometimes when they try and write quirky dialogue, it oh. comes across very much as... She's saying this every night. It's written down. Someone's. It, this sounded quite genuine, mm. almost. I thought. And I, I thought, thought it was really well written, really well acted, especially Imogen Poots. I thought she was, she was brilliant. Incredible. Um, I'd say her performance is stronger than James Norton's actually. Although I think he's also very, very good. Um, again, the, the Donmar is um, a theatre where it can be quite difficult to get tickets. It's a very small theatre. It's only got about two hundred seats in it, I think. Um, but they also do um, they do a sort of release every two weeks of tickets. Um, but these I just I booked these kind of the day they went on sale to get them to get the ten pound um, in the yes. circle. The back row is ten pounds, and, and the view's always fine. Occasionally, if they come right to the edge of the stage on the side you're at, you miss it. But it never really matters. And for ten pounds, yeah, amazing to see those two actors so for always... ten pounds in something like that. Um, and yeah, very intimate theatre. Yeah, quite, quite.
quite intense, uh, quite dark. But um, but yeah, I it, it was real kind of food for thought for me. I thought it was a bit of a kind of theatrical life lesson. About relationships, yeah. what not to do. Yeah, basically, about, about sort of communication, um, relationships and kind of psychology, really. I found it really, really fascinating. Mm. So for the next episode, we will be talking about uh, Girl from the North Country, which is the musical featuring Bob Dylan songs, uh, which is currently in the West End, which I'm going to see on Friday. Alice and Oscar, you're going to see something at the Park Theatre? Oh yeah, in Finsbury Park we're seeing Rothschild and Son, which is a musical by um, Jerry Bock and Sheldon Harnick, who did She Loves Me and Fiddler on the Roof. So it's a good pedigree, but it wasn't. it's the first time it's ever been performed here. I don't think it was a success on Broadway, um, or at least not enough to ever transfer to the UK. But I'm looking forward to that, because yes, I like I their music. So yeah, we'll see. I like the Park Theatre. I'm also going to be taking in a bit of ballet at the Royal Opera House, um, seeing uh, A Winter's Tale. And I've not actually got anything booked, but I'm going to have a wee look and see what's happening at the Southwark Playhouse. It's my favourite theatre in London, and I feel like I've not dipped into it for a wee while. So, Have you booked tickets to Pippin and The Rink? We've booked tickets to that, and I yeah, think you should. Yeah, it's The Rink that I want. I'm really interested in. Pippin, not so much, but The Rink, okay. definitely. The Rink will be good, I think. And so, Bring It On. And Bring It oh, On by, yes. by Lin-Manuel Miranda. I'd say that was a hot ticket to book, actually, if anybody wants to book something. That I definitely so think fun. because of Hamilton, I think by the time it's in the papers and stuff and pe- they start dropping his name and Hamilton, people start booking it up just to see it because because of him. Because so it's I think, not until August, is it? No. no. But I think it's not got enough buzz yet that it's going to sell out. So I think you could probably still get tickets. And I think close to the time, I think it will probably start selling out just because of his name. Um, another wee one that we're going to look into, we don't know a great deal about, is a new, apparently a brand new lucid dreaming experience thing called Somni, starting beginning of March, we'll let you know. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Mm, interesting. I'm Somni. intrigued. So all of that will be in the next episode, and um, please subscribe if you enjoyed this, or even if you didn't quite frankly, and leave us a wee review to let us know what you think, and if you've got any suggestions of things that we should go and see that we might have missed. See you next time. See ya, bye! Bye! bye. bye. And Peggy. <laughs> Look at the sauce pot.